from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We're always grateful for you making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up on this Tuesday edition, has the lawlessness on our southern border reached a new level? As Mexican drug cartels, a uh, cartel has killed at least two Americans. Attacks on U.S. citizens are unacceptable, no matter where or under what circumstance, circumstances they happen. We will continue to work closely with the Mexican government to ensure justice is done in this case. But did those words have meaning in this administration? That, of course, was Corrine Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina is suggesting the use of U.S. military to combat the cartels that have grown rich with the profits of trafficking people across the southern border. We'll discuss the situation with retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and now the Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council. And the Southern Impoverished Law Center is standing behind their staff attorney, Thomas Webb Jurgens, who was arrested along with 22 others uh, on Sunday and charged with domestic terrorism. The SPLC said Jurgens was a, now get this, legal observer protecting the rights of protesters. Now, of course, that's what the Southern Poverty Law Center said. But here's what the Atlanta police chief, Darren Sheerbaum, had to say. This is not a protest. I think at that last press conference, I made a clear distinction what a protest looks like. Uh, when it's a legitimate pr- protest, you have the full protection of the Atlanta Police Department. This is not a pro. This is criminal activity. The SPLC is defending attacks on the police. But then at the same time, they hold themselves out as the source for defining anti-government groups actually, get this, sending bulletins to police departments across the country warning them about mostly Christian groups that the SPLC hates. Believe me, we are going to talk about this. The national pharmacy chains that were lured into the abortion debate by the Biden administration may be having second thoughts as they begin to see the repercussions of essentially turning their neighborhood pharmacies into abortion facilities. We're going to talk with the Arkansas Attorney General, Tim Griffin, a little bit later here on Washington Watch. And speaking of not considering the consequences, well, several Republicans who helped Chuck Schumer pass the Disrespect for Marriage Act into law during the lame duck session of Congress are now facing growing opposition. It hasn't passed. It hasn't diminished. It's growing in their home states. In fact, Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina spearheaded the GOP support for the bill in the Senate, and opposition to him is building. Now, of course, this is what he said at the end of January, dismissing the criticism. If you read the six-page bill and you talk to some of the Christian organizations who supported the bill, then you're going to find that we worked to make sure that religious liberties, we advanced religious liberties, and and we did not sanction same-sex marriage at the federal level. The problem for Senator Tillis is that people have read the bill and members of the state Republican Party have read the bill and they're poised to censor the senator, which uh, would bar him from party money and from the party apparatus. We're going to talk with North Carolina State Representative Mark Brody a little later here on Washington Watch. And finally, in the United Kingdom, the parliament advanced a measure today that creates censorship zones around abortion centers, which outlaws silent prayer. We're going to talk with Peter McIlvana, co-founder of Hearts of Oaks, a UK-based freedom of speech alliance. He also works in the office of Lord Pearson in the House of Lords. 
All of that coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 35. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us, to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, and not to build houses to dwell in. But we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, Come, and let us go into Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans. So we're living in Jerusalem. God told Jeremiah to hold this family up as an example of faithfulness to Judah. For 300 years, this family, generation after generation, obeyed the instructions of their father. Now, because of the danger, they were living in the city. But even so, they refused to act like the city. They were, as Jesus described his disciples, to be in the world, but not of the world. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to TonyPerkins.com. The past two years have made it clear that the Biden administration has lost or given away operational control of our nation's southern border. Well, that has led to many tragic results. The further rise of the cartels and the chaos they bring was the most predictable. We recently saw the terrible story of four American tourists near the border violently kidnapped in a horrific shootout. Today, two were discovered alive and the other two dead. So if the Biden administration will not bring control of the border, what can our nation's Congress, what can Republicans in Congress do to force their hand? Joining me now to talk about this and more is Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin who is the Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council. General, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. So Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina is saying the border is so out of control that these cartels are so well-armed and equipped, a lot with the profits derived from trafficking people and drugs across the southern border, which is now porous under the policies of this administration, that we need to use our military to bring it under control. Your thoughts? Yeah, it depends on what he means by using the military. Does he mean boots on the ground? I don't think so. I, at least I hope not. And if he does think that, then I think he's very premature uh, with regards to uh, putting troops on the ground there in Mexico. Now, that said, during the uh, years that we spent in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, the U.S. military, particularly the Army and the Marine Corps, developed a lot of uh, very sophisticated equipment that allows them to track people to uh, to really be able to get into almost any kind of uh, communications and uh, and decipher it and uh, listen to what the uh, adversaries are saying and also to uh, to do imagery from overhead and read that as satellites and so forth so there's a lot that the military could bring to the party uh, that would actually benefit law enforcement and the Border Patrol as well. You've been in various parts of the world uh, where lawlessness, chaos reigns. Are you surprised, given the fact that our border, we've seen so much illegal activity at our border, that we see now uh, this violence emerging from the now well-equipped Uh, cartels? The cartels control our borders. That's a fact. That's just a fact. The cartels control the U.S.-Mexican border. And that means that they can not only push people across and 
and make a lot of money doing so, but they can also stop people that they don't want uh, in Mexico or that they plan to profit from, as we saw in the uh, case of these people from North Carolina that were kidnapped over there. And uh, and that's – I'm not sure. It's been reported that it was possibly a mistaken identity, but I'm not sure uh, why they would grab them. Normally when they grab somebody, they grab somebody that they know – uh, is connected to money, and they they ask for ransom. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds and and what we find out about it. Can we expect to see more of this on the southern border? Given again the lack of control that the United States has. Yeah, listen, we they've been running all kinds of rackets on that border there. That's the cartels. And they've been running this thing called a virtual kidnapping in which they will they will take a uh, uh, a camera and they'll video the children of some Americans. Normally, they just live right across the border. And they'll take uh, videos of them going into school, going to church, uh, out on the playground. And, and basically what they do is they send a message saying, we know where you are. We know what you do. We know your patterns. And if you don't pay us X amount of money up front, we're going to kidnap you. Now, that gets a parent's uh, attention very quickly. And they've been doing this for for quite a while, but it has gotten so much worse uh, since we've opened our borders. And that's literally what we've done. We have opened our borders and let people come in here. And that is, uh, to me, is I think it's... uh, Illegal, And I think it's illegal because the president takes an oath of office, just like you and I did when we went into the military. And uh, that oath of office is, is certainly to uphold the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And when you selectively determine which laws you're not going to enforce, there's got to be something wrong with that from a legal perspective. It's going to get worse. Well, speaking of lawlessness, I want to switch topics to the Southern Poverty Law Center. One of their staff attorneys arrested in Atlanta as a result of this attack on a uh, police facility there. Twenty-three individuals arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. The Southern Poverty Law Center releasing a statement today defending this attorney, saying that he was there as an observer defending the rights of protesters. Your thoughts? Yes. I'm sure he was just handing out ice cream or something, you know. Listen, as you know, and I think as you stated in a Twitter, this is not the first time that Southern Poverty Law Center has been associated with domestic terrorism. On the 15th of August, 2012, uh, the law enforcement, I mean, the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, actually motivated a guy by producing and publishing its hate list. They motivated a guy to come into our building and try to kill as many of us as possible. That's what he told the judge. He shot our building manager, Leo Johnson. But he told the judge he was here to kill as many of us as possible, and then he was going to smear a Chick-fil-A sandwich in the faces of those that he killed. That was about the time of that big Chick-fil-A dust-up. So this is not a surprise to me. These people are very, very dangerous and they have yet to take that uh, hate map down, but they're jeopardizing people's lives. For every day that stays up, they're jeopardizing people's lives. And here this guy is out there in a riot, 
And they're right. I, I don't think he was given legal advice as they tried to portray. Well, if, I think if, that if he was out there as a rioter. But if their statement is true, if their statement is true, that's even worse because they were sanctioning him to be there to be an advisor to Antifa. That's essentially what he was doing. And yet, I mean, we know what Antifa is. They're anti-government. They're anti-law enforcement. But yet this same organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center, sends bulletins to law enforcement agencies across this country stating these various threats of anti-government organizations. I mean, uh, you know, that's not even the, the, the fox guarding the hen house. That's the fox living in the hen house eating on the chickens. Yeah, and my point is that uh, I would be willing to bet you that guy was very much involved in actually doing uh, yeah. something illegal in the riot there. Be be interesting to see if he has some of those uh, powder marks on his hands from throwing those incendiary yeah. devices. Uh, General Jerry Boykin, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to be with you. Well, I can assure you folks, we're going to continue to follow this case with the Southern Poverty Law Center. I'm I'm hoping that maybe, maybe they will finally be exposed for the radical leftist group that they are. Because they are, as the general said, very dangerous. But what is amazing is that they're in our schools. They're teaching our kids about justice. They are, as I said, working with law enforcement agencies. They're working with the, the FBI and the Department of Defense. It's insane. All right, pro-life states keep winning to keep Walgreens out of their backyards. We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. The list of states where Walgreens will not, not offer the dangerous chemical abortion pills continues to grow. The pharmacy giant has already agreed to not sell these pills in 20 states, and this is largely thanks to the efforts of pro-life attorneys general informing Walgreens that they plan to enforce the law in their state. Now, that's a novel idea, actually enforcing the law. Not surprisingly, the left is not pleased. The lawless left, not pleased. California Governor Gavin Newsom has threatened to have his state stop doing business with Walgreens. He's essentially boycotting a major business for not breaking the law in other states. Maybe he simply wants other states as lawless as some of the cities in his own backyard. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Arkansas Attorney General Tim Griffin, who is among the 20 AGs that so far have secured this uh, win for life in their state. Uh, Attorney General Griffin, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, and it's interesting you start off with Governor Newsom. I mean, it is ludicrous uh, that he he's condemning a company for not violating the law. It's just not surprising, but uh, part of the problem. Well, I want to get you to react to this uh, comment from the White House Press Secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre last week, criticizing you and your colleagues for contacting these pharmacies and saying that you're going to enforce the law. Clip number four, please. Elected officials targeting pharmacies and their ability to provide women with access to safe, effective, and FDA-approved medication is dangerous and just unacceptable. General, your response? Well, look, she's in a serious position, but that's not a serious comment. Uh, any attorney worth their salt who reads federal law, setting aside for a second the law here in Arkansas, which prohibits uh, abortion and, and certainly the mailing of abortion pills, federal law, federal law prohibits mailing, whether it be the U.S. Postal Service, FedEx, whatever, it prohibits the shipping of abortion pills not only to states that prohibit abortion, Arkansas, federal law prohibits the shipping of abortion pills, period. And what the Biden administration did recently at the U.S. Postal Service is they basically 
ignored the law as it's written and declared that this was okay. This is okay. They gave the green light for this. And that's sort of what started this, this chain of events. Now, in my case, in Arkansas, you've got a federal prohibition, which is a national prohibition, uh, regardless of the state's law. And then you have Arkansas law, which makes abortion illegal. Well, it's prohibited. Uh, but it's so that comment really doesn't, uh, it's all politics. It's politics as we get closer and closer to uh, presidential campaign. It's politics for uh, Governor Newsom. It's just ludicrous. He probably doesn't even, maybe not even be aware of the federal law. Uh, who knows? But the bottom line is, he. Th this is just to rally the base, regardless of the consequences. Let me ask I'm, you I'm about following the law. Let me ask you the question about the Postal Service, because that's been an issue where the you know the Justice Department says, oh, no, we, we, we don't think it's a problem. So who will decide that? I mean, is that something that the courts will actually decide? Because uh, one of your colleagues in actually attorney general in Kansas said uh, th there may be some use of that law uh, and we'll see where the courts land on it. Sure. I mean, ultimately, that could end up in the, in the courts in, in the case of Walgreens. We are happy uh, that they've decided not to ship them here. But there's right. no question that uh, there will be challenges to the Biden administration's creative, uh, I think is being kind, interpretation of federal law. I mean, the federal law was passed for the stated purpose, which right. is to prohibit the shipping, the mailing of abortion pills, regardless so of the carrier used. So, General, Walgreens has become kind of the lightning rod name among the pharmacies. They're the one that get a lot of the focus. Uh, we've actually uh, written to them as well, got a response. But there's also CVS, there's uh, Walmart, there's Costco, uh, there's these other pharmacies. Do you expect other pharmacies to follow their lead and say, hey, we're going to abide by the law? Well, we actually, so uh, we haven't heard, we, we sent a similar letter to CVS, like the one that we sent to Walgreens. We have not heard back uh, from CVS yet. There are a number of pharmacies that we've actually expressed our appreciation to because they never indicated uh, a desire or a willingness or an intent uh, to ship these abortion pills. Yeah. And uh, so right now, CVS is really the one that... Um, that we haven't heard from that we don't don't know about. Well, General, I want to thank you for your leadership on this. I know you not only joined with the other AGs, but you also led the effort there in your in your own state of uh, Arkansas. So we're grateful for your leadership, and uh, I want to thank you for taking time to join us today. Thank you. Love to be on here anytime. We're doing a lot of pushback against federal overreach in the Biden administration. It's almost something new every day from Second Amendment to student loans. You name it. So happy and, to be here. And the AGs are on the front line in that battle. We are so grateful. So uh, thanks for being with us today. We will be talking to you again real soon. Thank you, sir. You know, the uh, it, it's very interesting. The the these businesses they're savvy. Okay, they're they're pretty savvy. The ph pharmacies. They um, in late 2022 
several of these major U.S. pharmacies reached a $10 billion settlement with state and local governments for their contribution to the national opioid crisis. That's $10 billion. Now, think about that for a moment. They're going to have tremendous liability here with these abortion pills because there's, there are health consequences. And, and so they're going to be looking for the government to give them cover. And I don't think they're going to find it in many parts of the country. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch. All right. On the other side of the break, several Republicans who helped Chuck Schumer pass the Disrespect for Marriage Act into law during the lame duck session of Congress are facing growing opposition in their home states. Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, who actually spearheaded the effort in the Senate, well, he's one of them. And we're going to take a closer look at that after the break. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right. I know that uh, those of you who are regular viewers and listeners will remember that when the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, I like to call it the Disrespect for Marriage Act, passed last December during the lame duck session of Congress, it did so because a faction of Republican senators voted for it. And one in particular uh, led the effort, and that was Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Now, it's, it's very interesting that some of these senators are now getting pushback. Now, several of them retired after this. Uh, Senator Burr of uh, North Carolina retired. So did uh, some of our other friends who were in the Senate, and so they felt free to do so. But some are still there. And uh, Senator 
Uh, Ernst of Iowa is getting a lot of pushback from her party. But now there is a proposal that Republicans are set to vote on in the state of North Carolina that could prevent Senator Tom Tillis from accessing any party funds during a primary challenge due to his vote to redefine marriage. Now, Tillis would experience a statewide censure after already earning the censure of uh, roughly one-third of the county GOP chapters statewide. Well, joining me now is one of the leaders of this effort, North Carolina Representative Mark Brody. He represents the 55th District of North Carolina. Representative Brody, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to be here. So tell us about the, uh, the proposal that is uh, moving throughout the state of North Carolina. Well, I believe it's similar to those that have gone county by county now. Just uh, last Saturday, my county, uh, Union County in North Carolina, uh, probably one of the bastions of Republican support, uh, voted overwhelmingly to censure. And it, it basically states, just like what you said, was that uh, censure being the only real remedy that we have uh, states that uh, he wouldn't be allowed to access any of the Republican uh, resources in order to uh, run for an election in North Carolina. So do you think that uh, Senator Tillis expected this type of grassroots response? Uh, I would I would step out of line and say I think he did. He really? Did expect it. Uh, uh, Senator Tillis is, is, uh, has pretty much a record of of uh, uh, not doing what uh, we asked him to do in Congress, all the way from working with uh, Democrats on amnesty bills to criticizing Pre President Trump uh, when he went while he was in office, and now he's uh, working on digital currencies. And digital currency can be quite frightening if uh, your listeners actually read up yeah. on it. Votes for deficits, deficit spending. So has he has he uh, attempted to do anything to stop this uh, proposal from moving across the state? Actually, not. No, no. We haven't heard anything other than he's put out uh, his uh, version of what he believes the uh, Respect for Marriage yeah. Act bill said. But uh, we is anybody buying that? Is anybody in North Carolina buying that? Well, there are there are those who are very loyal to uh, Senator Tillis, and they buy it, but. Uh, for the most part, you can see by those votes for censure that most people aren't. So have you followed in the other states where we see similar movements going on? This is clearly something that, you know, we hear from the, the, the legacy media all the time that, oh, uh, Republicans, they've moved on. They don't care about this issue anymore. I, I've not seen this very often, that where you've seen states taking on their own elected representatives who have voted in such a way that runs counter to what these elected representatives have done back home. Yeah, Tony, you have to put it in perspective. If you're talking about deficit spending, you can be you can be angry at it, but uh, this this isn't something that that reaches as deep into the loyal base of the Republican voter as what he did as as defining marriage. I mean, what he did was not only defied our our platform, but he directly directly uh, took a swipe at uh, God's God's laws and God's scripture and basically said that well in exchange for allowing the sin of homosexuality to be legal 
we will go and protect your church. And and you know very yeah. well that God doesn't need his church protected by us. No, and it's not, it, and that's never been the issue. The issue has been have Americans, will Americans have the ability to live out their faith? Within a month of the Disrespect for Marriage Act passing, we saw a 19-year-old police officer in Georgia being forced out of his position for actually posting on his Facebook page a statement about biblical marriage. That's the th- that's what we've been concerned about all along, that Americans would become the target because now it's justified after passing this Disrespect for Marriage Act. Well, you can, you can look at it uh, that way if you want. Uh, uh, my two objections were, number one, that he violated the platform, which is something that we can debate openly in the Republican Party, and he knew very well what the platform stood for, not right. only the state party, but the national party. But the other I, the other is that that uh, we are actually codifying something that uh, God's law actually prohibits. Yeah, well, uh, I would agree with you on that. Uh, Representative Brody, good to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us, and we'll be watching how this proceeds. Thank you, sir. Well, I'm, frankly, I'm actually encouraged that the states are uh, taking this thing serious and they are not forgetting it. See, this is what happens so often is that elected officials think, well, they're just going to forget about it. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll just kind of batten down the hatches and this storm will blow over and everything will be back to normal. They'll forget about it. And frankly, sometimes that happens. Probably too often that happens. But I, I am hoping that this gets legs and it continues. Continues. All right, on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to continue our conversation about the Southern Poverty Law Center. Also, we're going to go across the pond where free speech and even silent prayer is at risk. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. Uh, by the way, uh, we're going to be delivering uh, Jody Heiss, former congressman of Georgia, now part of the FRC team, and uh, generally the Friday host of Washington Watch, will be in Port Wentworth, Georgia, this Friday for a, um, a breakfast with pastors, but then delivering the petitions that have been signed by over, th- I think we're over 30,000 people have signed this petition for Jacob in support of Jacob Kersey, who was uh, forced out of his position as a police officer for simply posting on his Facebook page a statement about marriage that was in line with biblical teaching. So there's still time. If you would like to join that, just text the word Jacob, the name Jacob, to 67742. That's 67742, the name Jacob. And you'll get a link. You can sign that petition. We'll include it with those that are going to be delivered on Friday. All right, before I go to my next guest, I, I want to return to this issue of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Because this really is a bad group. It's a really bad group. And they're sitting, by the way, they're sitting on about three-quarters of a billion dollars. Right? They, they scare people into giving money. In fact, a lot of uh, big corporations have given them money over the years. Back during the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the Trump administration, you know, of course, they're always they had Dr. Carson as a uh, um, I forget the title they had on him, but they basically said he was a threat. I don't know if it was on their hate list or whatever. Uh, and so they use that to raise money. And so they have a lot of money in offshore accounts, but they have at least three quarters, seven hundred and fifty million dollars that they have. And so they, they're not really afraid of anything. But they put out a statement after uh, this statement came out yesterday, late yesterday, after one of their attorneys, staff attorneys, was arrested among the demonstrators in Atlanta on Sunday. And this is what they said. All right, I'm just going to read from it. An employee at the SPLC was arrested while acting and identifying as a legal observer. I guess if I guess you can identify as whatever you want these days. But anyway, as a legal observer on behalf of the National Lawyers Guild, the employee is an experienced legal observer. I'm sure he is after the summer of 2020. And their arrest, notice they don't even use the name. I guess they're afraid to use the guy's name. And their arrest is not evidence of any crime. So are they saying that the police had no probable cause to arrest this guy? They go on to say, but of heavy-handed law enforcement intervention against protesters. 
They continue their statement. This is part of a month-long escalation of policing tactics against protesters and observers who oppose the destruction of the Wilani Forest to build a police training center. The SPLC has and will continue to urge de-escalation, really, while throwing Malta cocktails and uh, fireworks. De-escalation of violence and police use of force against black, brown, and indigenous communities. Working in partnership with these communities to dismantle white supremacy, strengthen intersectional movements, and advance the human rights of all people. Why don't you just start with maybe abiding by the law? That might be a good place to start. Well, let me bring in a clip from the Attorney General of Georgia. We may get him on the program later in the week. But this is what he had to say yesterday about the attack clip three. There were individuals in riot gear with shields. Uh, again, it looked like folks uh, that were preparing for battle in an army, not individuals that were wanting to exercise their right to peaceful protest. That was Georgia Attorney General Christopher Carr. Now, as most of you who listen frequently know, I spent about 10 years in law enforcement myself. And when someone is assisting, and you have someone breaking the law, these individuals, you just saw the video, they were endangering the lives of police officers. They were, as the Attorney General described, prepared for battle. They were, for, they were advancing a crime. And so if this attorney was there as a legal observer, he was aiding and abetting the breaking of the law. So the guy is just as guilty of domestic terrorism as those who were lighting the matches to uh, throw the incendiary devices. Southern Poverty Law Center, but it, it, again, I want to go back to the point I made earlier. The Southern Poverty Law Center sends out bulletins to law enforcement agencies across this country. In fact, if you go to their website, you'll see they define a list of anti-government groups. Now, would it surprise you that they're all on the right? They're all basically political opponents of the Southern Poverty Law Center, most of them, many of them Christian organizations? And most of those Christian organizations are out, not out rioting or supporting those who are rioting like the Southern Poverty Law Center. I, I hope the outcome of this is that we never see them testify before Congress again, or we never see the Department of Justice use them as a source to define what domestic terrorism or domestic threats are, and that police departments across the country start deep-sixing the bulletins that they get from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And, and, and we're going to talk about this later in the week, they're still in our elementary schools. They have curriculum, Southern Poverty Law Center as curriculum in elementary schools all across this country. And most people don't even know that it's from them, teaching their leftist propaganda. As I promised, we're going to stay on this. All right, moving to my next topic. You may have seen the viral video of the British woman arrested last year for praying silently, silently. Her lips weren't even moving outside of an abortion clinic. She was actually one of two British Christians on trial for the thought crime of silent prayer. She was acquitted, but then this week she was arrested again. Well, these arrests led to an effort in the UK House of Commons to allow for silent prayer in abortion clinic buffer zones, but that was rejected today. 
essentially giving the green light for police to take actions against thought crimes, people who look like they're prey. You know what this tells me? Really, in all seriousness, it, it tells me that those who are advancing abortion in this culture of death are afraid of prayer. It really does. And it should remind us of how powerful prayer really is. If the enemy is this concerned about people praying, we need to do a whole lot more about it. All right, joining me now to discuss this is Peter McIlvana. He is the co-founder of Hearts of Oak, a freedom of speech alliance. He works in the office of the UK's House of Lords. Peter, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. It's always wonderful to join you. Thank you. Well, uh, tell our viewers and our listeners the latest on this story and fill in any pieces I left out. Well, for a couple of years, this piece of legislation has been pushed and a number of MPs, including sadly my MP, my personal MP, uh, have tried to push this through under the guise of protecting women as they go and take the life of their child. Uh, and this has now been put on as an amendment. You mentioned a couple of cases of individuals arrested for being outside and praying. Um, but putting that aside one moment, uh, we had them arrested, and that was under previous legislation that the government were choosing to use, but they wanted a, a new piece of legislation, despite the fact that the government said, uh, the Conservatives said, what, five years ago, they reviewed this and said there was no need for so-called buffer zones. Uh, this has now been passing through the Commons and the Lords, and where we are up to today is that that amendment that would have given protection to prayer, I can't believe I'm even saying those words, protection to prayer, uh, that was defeated by, I think, 116 votes to 299, something like that. Um, so it meant that those who are outside an abortion clinic within a buffer zone of 150 metres, if you're doing anything which would impede that happening, and that is now defined as prayer, as silent prayer, that means you've broken the law and you can be arrested. And that law will now be on our statute books in the UK across the country. Peter, what's driving this? Is there that much religious hostility in the UK now that silent prayer is illegal? Or is it just a, an inexplicable alignment with the culture of death and abortion? Well, it's, 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 it's a strange quirk that this has got caught up in this. And I, I think possibly it's badly written legislation, which happens often. You write a piece of legislation, a bill of law, and it's used for something different than its intended purpose. I think this is maybe um, a fault of that. The, the issue is the desperation of the left at making abortion happen as much as possible. Uh, when those in our legislative chamber desire death more than they do life, and it's not just at the beginning of life with babies, it's also euthanasia at the end of life, um, and really pushing anywhere in between. And this really follows what's happening in Europe. Uh, in Belgium, they've got a law that anyone can be euthanized, uh, whether that is a, a teenager who feels depressed that day, they can go and they can end their life. Um, there doesn't seem to be any understanding of the importance of life. And, uh, and that's where uh, I think our Christian understanding comes into this, because 
everyone has intrinsic value because we are all made in the image of God. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, then you don't understand that all life has value and therefore the life of the mother and the, the maybe the economical difficulty that she may have and the difficult circumstances she may be in, that actually takes precedence over the life of the second individual, which is right. her baby. Um, so I think it's a, a desperation for abortion, but it, obviously it's a weak church that doesn't speak up against this. Now, there is obviously a, a, a significant difference in the UK versus the United States in that we have a First Amendment right to speech and religious freedom, mm. although it's been being challenged here in our country as well. But I'm, I'm still, I'm, 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 I'm having a hard time coming to understand why silent prayer. It's not like they're there shouting prayer. Not like they're preaching on the streets. Just I watched the video. I mean, a woman just standing there. Yeah. You, you would just think that she's waiting for the bus. But she was honest. She said she was asked by the police, "What are you doing?" She says, "I'm praying." Oh, I'm going to have to arrest you because that's illegal. This is. Uh, I, I wonder how the, the people there, the citizens of the United Kingdom, are responding to this. Mm, uh, there's probably a lackluster response. It takes a lot to get the British angry. And I don't think this yet has passed the threshold. Why on earth? That's a whole other conversation. But there is very little, uh, even today when, when this story came out, or uh, very little written about it, very little on the side. In fact, most of the press was, this is wonderful, this legislation that would have stopped abortion has been defeated. And it's all about women have the right to abort and it is nothing about the other person within that who is the child and their rights. Um, there is very little vocal opposition. There are some groups, uh, Christian lobby groups, that are opposing it. Um, Christian Concern are wonderful, Christian Legal Centre are wonderful, uh, CARE, those are me the three Christian uh, lobby organisations. You've got some MPs who are opposing this, but they are in the minority. But this is part of a, the slippery slope that we find ourselves in the UK. When there's no such thing as truth, when there's no such thing as right and wrong, then right. anything goes. So um, maybe if, if they wanted to get the uh, the populace involved, they should have uh, added an amendment to the T, so it would ban silent prayer and tea. Maybe then the uh, British would get a little upset. So I'm going to go back to what you said a moment ago, that the church has been pretty much silent on it. Is this is this the result of a spiritually emasculated church that is just no longer engaged and has sold the truth, uh, you know, for a few pieces of silver? Yes. So there are a couple of things. One is I think the church have lost their voice and are more worried about how they will appear in the news and the media and their newspaper than they are. So they're more about. they're more concerned they're more concerned about their reputation and their standing oh, yeah. in the broader culture than they are standing for truth. And they've forgotten the fact that they will stand face to face before God and give an account of what they do. And as leaders, they will be judged more harshly. And they've completely ignored that and forgotten about that and looked at uh, probably celebrity status or how they're viewed in the media. That's the, the most important thing. So there there has been silence. I'll give a, a story of one church I was in and they had someone preaching about do not murder going through the Ten Commandments. And they were talking about, well, actually, murder does mean abortion. And they took five minutes to discuss that and put that out. And the next week, the church stood up and they uh, 
didn't apologise. They said that it was very difficult and there were two sides to every story and we must be careful of what we say. And it was a putting distance between them and what the Bible says is, is do not murder. Wow. Amazing. Uh, Peter, we're, we're up against the end of the program, but I, I want to I, I gotta ask you this question. You come to the United States a fair amount. You're back and forth. What is your message to the churches in America, given what you see unfolding in the U.K.? Well, I see a confidence and boldness in the churches in America, and you may not maybe see that as much within it, but certainly when you look at the weakness across Europe and across the UK, and I would certainly ask for the prayers of your viewers um, for Europe, for the UK, that we will have a a bold church, a strong church that will stand up and will, um, will hold on to these issues. And secondly, with our politicians, that we will have strong politicians. Just back from CPAC and uh, whatever you may think, there was boldness and people knew what issues they believed in. We lack that in the UK and we need that. Peter, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by. Thanks, Tony. All right. Well, you know, we, we do have a lot to be thankful for in this country. And as Peter pointed out, you know, things are really bad across the pond. We have a church here that's much more vibrant, but it needs to be even more so. And we need to realize what we have. And it goes back, I think it goes back to the Word of God. We need to be firmly planted on the Word of God. Because once we leave that truth, we could end up anywhere. We could end up like Europe. All right, folks, thanks so much for uh, tuning in today. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.